Thunder Media. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport, Tony Whitlock. It's day three or four or of, uh, well, I think 34 or whatever foot, but Nicholas Calliol of uh, the uh, Sitfrog, that being the Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceana Championship. Did I get it right? Yes. I did, just for a change. Okay, Nicholas, of course, has been running a series for a number of years and uh, it continues to get stronger and stronger. Um, you must be delighted with the uh, progress this year's series. Yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a big, big upwards from 2023 when we we back on the international scene. So 2023 was the first season back, and now 2024 we reinforce our position and 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 then the championship itself. Uh, big move we've done this year with the Pirelli tyres, so the same tyres. When the European Championship is attractive for for drivers, and our format is still attractive as well for international drivers and American drivers. Uh, especially when you see the uh, Jacob Abel and, and Bryce Aaron coming just to the, the two rounds, the last two rounds, just to get sharp and ready for St. Pete's, which is in 10 days really in the in the US. So it's always been a, a great value for those drivers just to come and do some running and getting them ready over the winter. Um, and of course, the, the start of this series, um, uh, Roman Belinsky um, sort of was fast out of the hole, and he's actually driving those cars or this car and tyre for a number of years. Yeah, he's, he's the driver with the most experience of, of the package itself. He's done two years of Formula Regional, he's heading into his third year, so he know the chassis, he know, he know the period tyre, so that was the, the sharp advantage he had over the over the other competitors is that knowledge of the tyre, um, which makes which made it a, a big difference in tyre management, especially on the first run in Topo where he perfectly managed the tyres and knowing how to extract the maximum in quality and, and, and saving them in, in the race to to keep them going up to the up to the last lap. So it's, it's been an advantage on his side uh, to have that knowledge. But yeah, he's, he's been brilliant all, all the way through. He's been a, a very sharp competitor and whatever has been thrown at him, you know, when he had a, a disastrous qualifying in Empton Downs and starting P14 didn't prevent him from going through the field and, and won the race. So it's yeah. it's been showing that he was a great competitor and, and a great driver. Funnily enough, I mean, he, he didn't seem to have many in the way of podiums last year uh, in Europe. Um, but, you know, a cumulative thing where you start doing it and you get in the habit and uh, suddenly... It's what you do. Yeah, he was. He has been very strong this winter in, in testing in Europe, and uh, I think maybe eighty percent of the sessions he was doing over the winter, he was stopping those sessions of being a top five. So he showed that something clicked in his head with uh, with with the chassis and in, in, in the car and and, and the tyres. So he demonstrated that what he showed over the winter testing was not a fluke, and is show here that he's, he's able and hopefully when he go back to Europe he will be a, a front contender and for, for the European Championship. Okay, now we're just minutes after Liam Skeets has taken his first pole and you told me um, he's the first pole winner in the series so far, which well so far there's there's another qualifying tomorrow, isn't he? No, he's just no. the one quality no. today. So that's yeah. it, um, which is terrific to share it around because uh, that's what you want in, in life is to be sharing those uh, pole positions, not having anyone dominate it in that way. Yeah, sure, and, and it's, it's the right moment for, for Liam. Liam is on a good momentum, uh, won the last race, it was his first win last weekend. The Lady uh, the Lindy 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 Trophy, Trophy yeah. so he's coming up here. Um, 
Roman had hearts qualifying on today. Um, so, and I say, just to keep the championship alive, he needs to finish in front of, of Liam. Yes. And later, Liam needs to finish in front of Roman yeah, on this yeah. race just to keep the hope going for tomorrow. So, it's at the moment, he's scoring and being the putting his all the best assets on his side and, and delivering what he needs to deliver today just to, to keep on going. Um, in fact, uh, in that qualifying session, um, it was the first time I've actually seen any accidents in the cars. That, there were four cars that went off. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously the tyre is very different because it's got more grip than the previous tyre. Um, was there any other contributing factor? Do you think? I think is part of it is is was the the, the the unique format of qualifying for for the New Zealand Grand Prix, having that qualifying shootout put some pressures on the drivers just to try to deliver to make it to the next to the next segment. So he added that level of pressure for the drivers to handle, and, and that's why they push. Like I talked to to Roman after after quali, and and he says he pushed on that level. He should have pushed because he was already in P1 with 310 so and it was easy into the top 13 just to go to the next segment so he didn't really need it to to push hard again so it's it's a learning process for those drivers it's just a to learning curve yeah yeah, yeah okay uh, yeah there'll be many instances in their futures when uh, that sort of thing will happen again um, okay the other big change for this year of course was going to a biofuel Yes, yes, so the, the big move with, with Toyota is towards the, a more sustainable more environment for, for, for motorsports and by keeping still the internal combustion engine. So the, the solution was just to, to work with P1 Fuel with the official supply of WRC. That's how, how we got our first batch of fuel is out of the, the WRC event in New Zealand in 2022. So we got the remaining fuel there and uh, we build on that, develop, develop, the, develop and see how the fuel was integrated in the car and the, the good thing with that fuel despite this cost is it was an easy plug and play with, with that kind of fuel didn't need any modification on the car we did a lot of testing with it no issue at all and it was just uh, going there and then with that we can show that motorsport can still lead technology and by using that fuel is a reduction of 75 percent of co2 emissions so we can still do what we love with the engine we we've been knowing for ages with less impact on 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 the environment so it's it's been a good good step and uh, uh, the good thing we had is uh, sponsors have increased their support just to support Toyota to move that transition into into a more a less impact on the environment from from yeah. the sport okay all right um, now last year was uh, quite uh, a standout because you actually uh, linked your cars I would say led to the W Series uh, on two occasions that they used your cars uh, in different parts of the world. Uh, is that in the future a possibility or not? Uh, not the, not with the W Series because W Series stopped unfortunately for them. Oh, I think they but, uh, but yes, that's an opportunity we look at just keep using our cars on, on, on different championships, different opportunities. We're discussing with other countries in the South Asian region just to see if it would be interesting to use the car now off season and, and potentially just work and, and develop drivers in, in this region just to bring them back as well here for, for the championship so it's keep keep eyes open and ears open just to keep discussion with all, uh, all, all, all the people around the region just to see how we can utilise those cars and it'll be only using five weeks in, in the year oh, As you well know I've uh, in the past uh, already talked to you about it, that I'd be very keen to see those cars in Australia um, hasn't happened, maybe it will as we never say no but uh, it would be great to see some part of the series in Australia. But I know you'll 
you'll try, keep trying and yeah. Yeah. give up on it. Okay, so looking to the future then, um, and it does seem, because the way in which now, uh, you know, North America and European and Asia and Oceania now, you know, the series are quite well established. Um, and that each of them has their own stepping stones to get to those things. Um, do you see uh, any major developments in the way in the format? Because that's the other part that is so well orchestrated here. It, the way in which it runs so smoothly, or the four teams you've got, um, no changes as such for the future? No, not, not in the near future. Obviously, we're looking at what's going to happen in the next two years with, with the second generation of Formula Original, which has been developed by the FIA and, and been built at the moment by Tato. So we see which way, which direction we're going. Uh, I think our position where we are into January, February is still the great position for for drivers from the US and Europe just to come over and, and keep that sharp training. Uh, I think with the redevelopment of the Formula 4 in Australia that could have a, a good couple of drivers just to develop those drivers and make the next stepping stone to go to cross the ditch and come come over here just to develop before going to Europe so I think it's, it's quite a bright future at the moment for, for the sport in, in the region so I don't see major major change coming up in, in the near future um, and of course one of the things is the new car in Formula 4 in Australia it will be a halo car unlike the current cars that we've got aren't so that's going to make a, a big difference as well yes yeah, yeah it'll be part of that yeah. like of all, all the all racing series now is all everybody's moving moving to the halo car because that's the more safety for the drivers and what is the most important now is just to make sure we give the best safety for all the drivers on track without being rude to yourself you've been around long enough to win the winner halo cars yeah. um and it surprised me how quickly and i suppose is because they're young they assimilate better and quicker and accept change that there never seems to be an issue now with the driver saying, oh, it gets in the way, or, you know, how can you look around it sort of thing? Yeah, it was, it was also a thing, you know, the, the first year of, of the Halo cars, it was just always strange, but now when we see a car without Halo, it's just strange to us, and say it's missing something. Yeah. So it comes in, comes into the thing, and then we see all the impact that's that Halo has, the numbers of drivers that's escape major injury because of that device has been just been the right move like the same thing and it was uh, more long ago when the hands device was yeah, introduced yeah. and everybody said oh, it would be in my way and thing but the numbers of, of drivers we have much less injuries and with with those safety device is need to get used to it and as how it's now it's become become the normal the normal things is just the, the standards i heard some rumors about um a, a new car for your series. I mean, you're now in the third generation uh, in the Toyota series here in New Zealand. Um, is there a new car? Have you sort of seen designs of what the new car would be the next generation? Uh, we haven't yet fully decided on, on where which way we're going. Uh, in any case, it won't be before 2026. So we still have 2025 with the current car going on so we, we, we'll see what the, what the future brings which direction FIA wants to go which direction Toyota wants to go in New Zealand and, and, and see what will be the best uh, for drivers competitors and, and development of, of the young drivers in New Zealand Okay alright thank you Nicholas Calliol um, I'll probably come back and have a chat maybe on Sunday night after it's all over Yep alright thank you Thank you Welcome back to Inside Motorsport, Tony Whitlock. I'm here with Tony Quinn at Highlands, and finally the Grand Prix is here. Yeah, it's, it's uh, ten years in the making, yeah. and um, it's very good. Uh, I think my initial um, thoughts on the Grand Prix were 
to make it an absolute extravaganza with all the embassies of the different countries here and you know, Greek dancers and whatever else it would be here. But um, as time's rolled on, um, it's gone through different promoters and stuff and they're trying to make a living. So um, it's sort of dulled down a bit and we're not the promoter of it. Um, thankfully, I think, because it would cost an, a fortune to put an event on and whether whether we would get the the proper crowds and the proper return on investment, I don't know. And really, Highlands is a member's track. It's a beautiful track. Everybody loves it. But, you know, there, there isn't the population around us to make an event, um, you know, a, a public event, if you like. There's enough people coming, but it only just washes its face, basically. So I think, I think the future for the Grand Prix, now that we've done it at Highlands, and I'm happy. Now I'm, I'm just shooting the breeze. I think if we're going to make it a, a big thing, a bigger thing, I think it needs to be beside a bigger population. That, that's my, that's my opinion. And I don't mean Christchurch because I was there last week, and Christchurch have got a lot of things to do without worrying about. You know, like I think the town still hasn't recovered properly, and the tracks had very little investment. In fact, to be honest, all the tracks in New Zealand need some investment into them, and not that I, I would, um, not that I would get involved in the actual physical fixing them up. But I have many ideas, if they're interested, on how they could raise funds to make that happen, because that's really what they have to do. They really have to spend some money on them. Um, in fact, 2024 is a very huge year for New Zealand motorsport because V8's left Pukekohe and the track closed as a anything other than a horse racing track. And uh, for the first time, the V8s will be appearing at your track. Topo, Taupo, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And uh, Topo. I think I don't know. Yeah. Topo. That's what we say. Yeah. So that's that's very big news in April. It is. It, 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 it was big. and Obviously, um, most people would have assumed it would go to Hampton Downs, uh, again, because of the population and proximity to Auckland. But uh, there was quite a bit of negativity around the Auckland events situation with Pukekohe. They wouldn't support uh, Hampton Downs. unless it was Yeah, area. but they would do it under duress, and it seemed like a mountain to climb. <laughs> so we approached it slightly differently. So Australia is New Zealand's number one tourism uh, sector. Yep. That, that's the people that want to come. And if you if you were to have the V8s coming in February, you'd be wasting your time. Or, you know, middle of July or August, you know, ski season or whatever. Don't do it. But the shoulder seasons, uh, we can make some good we can make some good progress. So, if we do it in April, um, that's a shoulder season, you know, after Easter, before you, whatever it is, um, and then have it then, that will bolster the bed nights around the region. It will also, on television, will be able to show the Aussies that haven't been to New Zealand, yes. the good things about New Zealand. Um, you know, you can, there's a lots of stuff around Taupo that we can um, promote with pride as a country. Um, if you go to Hampton Downs, um, there's a motorway, it's built on a swamp, it's next to a prison, 
in the landfill. So it, it gets harder to promote that. And, and Pukekoi was really not much better. Yeah. Um, but I think Taupo was well, a bit of a golden... Well, they had history with... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, tradition. Yeah, Stuart stuff, and yeah. Hill and Clark. 100%. And, yeah, yeah. But no, I think Taupo was going to be great. And the vibe in the town is so positive. You're obviously going to get the entrepreneurs who charge a different rate when they see an opportunity. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll get over most of that. Um, and I think the V8s will enjoy the experience and I think the town and the region will enjoy the experience and if I can preempt what you're about to say um, obviously my job my my sort of desire is to is to put on a great event for the V8s and the spectators and the, the town and the region and then we should present a case to the V8s um, where they could save a bit of money infrastructure whatever and maybe do a back-to-back uh, Taupo and Hampton Downs a week later I think there's enough um, spectator possibility and you know, I think there's enough to do that um, so long as it wasn't at the same time as WRC was coming or you know, but I think a back-to-back um, two rounds in New Zealand because New Zealand is a big market for the V8 sponsors and a, a great big fan base. So I think they deserve it. But anyway, that's going to be work in progress. Somebody's going to have to pay for it because that'll be the bottom line. But I think with the savings that they, the V8s could achieve and if we have a good product, good event, then we might be able to get a tickle more from the tourism board or whatever, and um, I, th- I think you know, if all the stars align, I would like to see that happen up there. In your role as a major shareholder in, in Triple Eight Race Engineering, did you go to the final book and go in? No, uh, I don't think so. No, because it was all a bit sudden, to be quite honest. Yeah, okay, right. We knew that Pukakoi was going to close, and we knew that there was a fair bit of activity in the horse racing fraternity to change their whole infrastructure. But it came as a surprise to everybody. And I think that was, it was a surprise to the V8s. Um, and I think that there was a little bit of a, uh, you know, like, really, is that how you're gonna treat it? Well, we're not coming back to New Zealand next year. And there was a bit of that. Um, so we had to overcome that, which was, wasn't difficult because they actually wanted to come back to New Zealand. Okay, one of those rare moments when I was in New Zealand when you weren't yes. um, was in 96. Yeah. And uh, I'd started race facts two years earlier. Yeah, yeah. And there were a dozen cars that came here, you know, two Coke cars, two HRTs. In fact, Greg Murphy took Craig Lounsey because he was off to England, uh, to Europe, right. racing in F3000. Yeah. Uh, two Cokes, two Larry cars, Castrol, Russell, and all that sort of thing. Um, and I so vividly remember Dick Johnson was still racing. And Johnny Bow was there yeah, as well. Yeah. And at Pukekohe on the Sunday night, the crowd didn't want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just hung around and hung around. And I remember vividly Dick and uh, Greg Murphy doing burnouts up pit lane. Murph actually had the unfortunate practice. He was actually picking up tarmac, which, given that there were lots of suggestions about <laughs> traction control, it was rather humorous to see large stretches of bitumen stuck to the uh, HRT car. Jeez. <laughs> no, no, well, I wasn't there. But, yeah, you know, New Zealand is 
are avid motorsport fans. Yeah. So they deserve, you know, at least one round, but maybe two, maybe every second year. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Share, yeah, yeah. maybe uh, Hampton could be an endurance event and you swap it out with the bend or, or Sandown or whatever they, whatever they deserve. But there's one thing for sure, in my opinion, the V8s need to ramp things up a bit. You know, we've been doing the same thing for too long. And, you know, just going to Bathurst for a second time in a year is not good enough. No. You know. Well, in fact, before you were involved in the category as such, um, you know, they did run a sprint round at Bathurst. Um, and then they realised that the costs were horrendous yeah. compared to actual track, other tracks because it was twice as long as everywhere else. Yeah, no, it, it's... It, you, you only... And this goes against what I just said. Yeah. But you really only need to go to one uh, track once a year. Yeah. You don't need to go twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, you know. yeah. Well, I, I totally agree with you. And, and having been covering motorsport in this country since the, you know, the yeah. early 90s, um, it's, a, it's a country that obviously loves the sport and they want to see more of it. Yeah, and that was all part of the desire to make the New Zealand Grand Prix special again because yeah. it used to be special and we need to make it special again but that's going to take a few more years um, and a bit more enthusiasm from basically the sport and the organizers and stuff like that but there's right. a bit of work to do there well thank you very much tony quinn i, I will come back and talk to you maybe uh, on sunday night yeah after the grand prix is run and of course we'll know then how Ryder has gone yeah. Riley quinn your grandson yeah 18-year-old who is a delightful young man. He is. He carries a, himself well. He's very good. And, you know, I don't care how fast he goes in a car. Yeah. I just care that he's a nice person. Yeah. And he's got that covered. And, you know, there's other two guys, Callum and Liam Skeets, are both um, supported by the TQF Foundation, which has been a massive success and a massive pleasure for the people that are involved in it. Indeed. Thanks, Tony Quinn. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport. Tony Whitlock, I'm here with Brian Beasley. It's the uh, second day on track at uh, uh, Highlands Park and uh, back again for your now seventh series in New Zealand, uh, having taken over the Trevor Schumach E-Tech to become M-Tech. Uh, a changeable letter, but a lot more than that. Your <laughs> life changed. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden we've got a, a second home in New Zealand. We spend a couple of months a year now doing this and um, great place to be this time of year. Yeah, um, and of course, uh, I, I enjoyed enormously uh, seeing the series firsthand in 2020, the five rounds, and meeting young drivers like K.O. Collette and Eagle Fragger and a bunch of other ones who've gone on to some big things uh, in recent times. Now you've got uh, a new bunch. Take us through the four drivers. Yeah, so this weekend we've got uh, Lucas Fakuri, a Brazilian driver, uh, Abel, uh, Jacob Abel, American Indy Next driver. We've got Callum Hedge on board for this weekend, and uh, young Australian Elliot Cleary. Okay, Elliot, of course, who competed last weekend in Trans Am at Sandown, 
and then came back to the series for this weekend. You also had Tom Smith in your car. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tommy Smith. So he did the. He was always doing the first three rounds, and then he was going to air three testing in uh, United Arabs. Yep. And he's as of when he left, he was coming back to do the Grand Prix. That was his plan. He had so much a good time and really enjoyed it, and wanted to come back and do it. But the testing has been rained out over there and hasn't really gone to plan. So um, they haven't they haven't come back, and that's why Callum's in the car. Okay. Now, as we know, that you know the Tasman Series was one thing, and this is nothing like a Tasman Series, because that was a summer break for F1 drivers and 5,000 drivers, um, whereas this is a development series. And boy, you know, coming up to its 20th year, it really is a, a great success. Yeah, I mean, even you look at that 2020 year, uh, Yuki Tsunoda, Liam Lawson, um, you know, a couple of years before that, Lando Norris, it's um, it's definitely a breeding ground for young talent, and at that time of year, it's great. In Europe's all snowed in, all rained out, so here they come out here and have a good time. So it's actually it's become one of the better development series around the world, that's for sure. There's nowhere else in five weeks you can get 3,000 kilometres of racing practice, practice starts, everything that's involved, learning these cars to go off and race. The very similar car in a number of other regions. Yeah, look, being a um, we're a genuine FIA regional category now, and they are exactly the same car as uh, Freca, or what was Formula Renault. Um, so, you know, there are some other series around the world at the moment that are offering similar stuff, but you don't get the mileage. They tend to have a lot of red flags, and they um, use only one or two tracks, or you know, two or three tracks, rather than five different tracks. Okay. Um, How has the series been for you? Look, it's been pretty good, considering we've been out of the game for a few years with the whole COVID situation. Um, we've kind of regrouped a bit this year and we've had a few podiums already. Uh, so look, I think fundamentally it's been pretty good. It's been hard. You forget how hard it is when you get old and lazy like I am to do back up five weeks in a row every week. But look, I, I think it's been encouraging. We, I think we've proven we can do the job. We proved it again today. Callum was fastest. Jacob was second fastest the other session was fastest yesterday so you know I think all in all it's um, it, it's it's been rewarding but it's been hard work. Okay now um, quite obviously uh, getting Callum Hedge to come in who's come from uh, a test only a week ago in an Indy Next car um, so he's sort of uh, not a different car and different engine and all those things he's been in a fast open wheeler recently. Yeah and you know to his credit to come back and jump in a car like this is, 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 is hard you know and Jacob did the same thing, got off a tested Laguna Seca, I think it was, got on a plane, flew all night, got off the airport, came out of the track and put a P2. So it obviously it's not too hard for them to adapt, but the biggest thing is the tyre. You know, the speed, the brake, the braking's is issue. Um, these cars don't have the downforce like those cars do, so you know they have to they have to bring everything back a step. Um, but that's part of these guys learning, you know, by doing this they're learning more stuff. Um, as we know that uh, Motorsport Australia has made a decision to go back to F4, which is an encouraging sign that uh, they need to do something about uh, open wheel of driver development. Uh, I was encouraged in a category that you were part of, the original uh, Tim Macro, the Australian Formula Open. Uh, it was great to see uh, young drivers on track at Sandown last weekend. There are some there who will probably be in your sights for the future. Yeah, look, I think the F4 things are good. It's a good strategy. I think around the world we're probably the only region that don't have an FIA F4 type 
category, and I think it's encouraging, and I think there's a, there's definitely a market for it. I'd like to see it succeed, and obviously feed drivers to us. You know, my concern is that it's aligned with the UAE series, so you know they're pushing we to push them to go from Formula Four in their series to UAE Formula Regional. Um, but obviously, you know, we're only quick plane trip across the water and we've got the same thing and we're offering a better product at a, at a cheaper price so hopefully it does that and it does encourage people to come and do this and opens their eyes to what's going on here. Okay, um, there's obviously a break even point, I don't mean that in a financial sense, in terms of because you need to get engineers from around the world, mechanics and all those things, do you need to run four cars or is that a minimum or? Look you really need to run five to be fair. Um, and but four is the bare minimum to actually make it work for infrastructure, travel, accommodation, everything else in the last and even food costs the last you know, two or three years, everything's just 20, 30, 40 percent dearer. So, but you need a group of cars to share data too, you know, that it helps the drivers if they've got two or three different and teammates talking about the development of the setup, and yeah, the yeah, company. exactly right. So, you know, it's nothing better for these guys to have a fast guy because they learn faster. So um, four or five cars is, is the number you need, yeah. Okay. Um, now, do you see, I mean, the schedule obviously was different again this year. Having been out of it, and I hope we never see another COVID sort of situation, um, because obviously, you know, the lack of international travel and not being able to get drivers in is a big handicap. Yeah, look, for us, 2020 was a really successful year for us. You know, we teamed with RSGP, the leading teams in Europe. We won races with Kaya Khaled and, and Jackson Walls. We, you know, we finished second in the team's championship and things were looking up and then all of a sudden the world came to an end and we, you know, 2021, nothing happened. The world was shut. 2022, the border was still shut. We couldn't even get into the country. So it's been a challenge. Um, but I think, I don't think we'll ever see that again. But what the world has changed since then. So we need to be mindful of that and staff, you know, we, it's harder to get staff because there's more options now, but we've got some really good guys. We've got some European guys. We've got an American, Tim Neff, who runs TJ Speed in America, who is an expat Australian. He's here helping engineering. So I think our market's just moved. You know, I think our market now is more US than, than what it was before. Um, but let's see what the next 12 months brings, I suppose. Um, now, given that you have about a two-month lead-in to the series and about a two-month of the series, what's your other sort of eight months of the year taken up with? Um, when I get back, I don't know at the moment. Um, obviously, leading up to this, I resigned from my position in, in another category, and I think when I get back, I'm going to... I really don't know. Just take stock and just... Take a break for a few weeks. Yeah, and then, look, you know, re reassess really what I want to do and where I want to be, and... Um, this motorsport in Australia might be the thing, might not be. I just haven't made a decision yet. I definitely got a couple of cars I want to finish. I get, want to get my old Porsche out and have a run, run around before winter happens and ride a few bikes and just see what the next few months brings. Okay, now most of our audience, um, those who would be say under 40, maybe even 50, would not know of your father. Can you just give us the name Minder was something that uh, um, was a long time ago when your father was building race cars? Yeah, so he started in the 60s building Clubman's and they called them Minders and the background for that was his first wife, his first of 25 I think he's got now, um, was a bushfly that was fast and manoeuvrable so he went with that and then when I started 
doing my own thing. I thought it was the right thing to do, just continue the name. So it went from Minda, Minda Sportscast to Minda Motorsport. And then when I wound that up in 2013, I think it was, 2014, um, you know, that lay dormant. And then when I pulled, took this over, I thought, well, I'll just carry the M over and make it M-Tech as opposed to E-Tech. So yeah, Dad was involved. He was a, a Datsun factory driver with Doug Whiteford yep. in the sports cars and ran the factory with Jensen Healy for the for Peter Mountain Motors at the time and Jim Smith. And then the Australian agent for Cosworth and was the chairman of Cairns for a long time. When so did your father die? No, he's still alive. Oh, he's still alive. Well, I, I think Sorry. so. I haven't spoken into <laughs> 25 years. So, um, oh, I... so I think... Yeah, I assume he is, but no one's told me he has. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, well, as, I, as I like to call him, my, my brother's father. <laughs> All right, well, Bruin Beasley, thank you very much for joining us again on Inside Motorsport, and we look forward to talking through the weekend. Yeah, but no, thanks for having us. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport. Tony Whitlock, it's day two at Highlands Park, and I'm with a gentleman called Jacob Abel, an American who lives in Indianapolis, yes. um, because he's got a good track there. You can just go and practice on it. Yeah, time. small little, small little race course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, but it's a little colder <laughs> well, there right now. Well, it's greatest motor racing event. They yeah, call there it. You yes, go. indeed. Greatest spectacle in racing. Indeed, indeed, yeah. it is. Um, and Jacob's come back for a, uh, another go and wants another New Zealand Grand Prix title to hang on his wall. Uh, not another one because he hasn't got one yet. But would like would like one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take plenty of pictures of it. Read the names on it because I'm sure they're names that would be built in your father's history, maybe not yours. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a very prestigious trophy. Um, I think that's one of the biggest reasons that I've come down here for the last two rounds. Uh, at the end of the day, it's really to prepare ourselves for for the Indy next season, uh, getting underway in a few weeks here at St. Pete. But having raced the series last year and racing the GP itself. It's its really a spectacle that they put on down here in New Zealand. So really looking forward to that and looking forward to, you know, hopefully having an opportunity to race at the front and, and have a chance at winning. Okay. Now, there's a couple of guys who, in fact, raced last year against Louis Foster yeah. in both New Zealand and also in America. Yeah. So tell us about him because he's a pretty experienced 19-year-old uh, at that stage, I think he was. Yeah, Louis, I think he's a bit older than that, but... Yeah, he's, he's very talented. Um, you know, I, I keep seeing videos this offseason. The amount of on-track battles we had last year between here uh, and Indy Next, was it's got to be, like, infinite uh, because I keep seeing all, all the clips of us battling against each other. Uh, but, yeah, Louis a great guy, a very talented driver. You know, we've been buddies now for, you know, ever since we met last year doing this, this season. Um, you know, I'd, I'd call ourselves rivals, uh, especially looking into the championship for next year. You know, I think we're a couple of the favorites coming into it. So, yeah, it should be should be good. Obviously, I, I respect him. You know, I think he's a really talented driver, and you know, he pushes me to, to be you know the best driver that I can be. So, yeah, he's a he's a good guy, and looking forward to, to battling against him all next year or this year, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's a number of drivers who've come back to the series again for another go at it, and. Uh, it's certainly interesting to see because it's such a compressed uh, calendar mm -hmm. and you get so many racing kilometers. Yeah. Tell us, tell us how you feel about coming and doing it again. Yeah, I think that's, you know, the biggest thing. I think it's one of the series in the world where you get the most track time on a race weekend and then combining that with you race 15 races in a five-week period is, is pretty insane. You know, you have basically 
Monday and Tuesday to travel to your next event, see as much of the country as you can, and then it's straight back to it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a super cool series, especially when most of the world is covered in snow and the racetracks aren't really in use. So I think that's when it, you know, is the biggest advantage is to coming down here is just when, you know, hopefully most of our competitors are just sitting on the couch um, or, you know, in the gym or doing whatever to prepare for the next season. But, you know, there's nothing that can prepare you better than, you know, being racing in green flag conditions and, and battling with drivers trying to win races. Now, you race on some amazing tracks like the Laguna Seca and St. Petersburg and things like that. Um, and, of course, did you get to race on uh, the street course there last year for the first time? Detroit. Detroit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did get to do Detroit last year. Pretty crazy. Um, the tracks we race at in America are definitely, definitely crazy compared to, you know, some of the tracks that most of the other drivers, you know, coming from other parts of the world are racing in. You know, they're all F FIA, Super Max, F1 grade, you know, yeah. what, whatever that safety is, um, which, you know, is obviously necessary for how fast those cars are going. But, you know, on the IndyCar circuit and on the IndyNex circuit, you know, I'd like to think it's a little bit more raw and, and on the edge a little bit. And honestly, that's where I think it helps me a little bit down here and, and where racing in New Zealand helps me back in the States because these tracks are, are much more similar, I'd say, to the tracks that we race in America, um, you know, than the big big you know concrete filled tracks that they race in, in Europe With so mountains of runoff yeah exactly there's not much chance to uh, make a mistake here right if you do there are consequences right and especially here at Highlands I mean you look at turn two it's basically an oval corner um, obviously you know having a lot of experience with that you know there's very little room for error um, you know, unfortunately, one car got into the wall pretty good today. It just shows you, you know, if you make the slightest mistake there, it's one of the fastest corners on the track. Um, you know, it can put you into the wall immediately. So, yeah, I think that is, you know, a little bit more comparable to what we do in the States, you know, with all the different street courses we race at. Um, you know, we're going to have four ovals this season, something that I, you know, really enjoy. But, yeah, I think it's it's a very unforgiving track here at Highlands, but one that's you know super fun and super rewarding when you do get it right. How many rounds in your championship, Nick, next championship? That's a great question. Um, Roughly. It's probably like, I think, 15. Oh, okay, um, so it's a long season. It's a long season, and one thing that they've done in recent years is, is make it more single-header race weekends. Um, you know, I think it's to mimic IndyCar a little bit more. You know, yeah, on yeah. the race weekends, we basically follow... Not having multi-starts. Right, exactly. And I think it puts a lot more importance on the one races that you have. You know, you can't wreck because, you know, you're going to lose a lot of points and you're going to lose your whole entire weekend. You know, it's not like other junior open wheel series around the world where you have two, three races uh, every weekend to kind of, you know, do it over and over and over again. Um, the Indy Next Series, you really have to get up to speed quickly with the limited track time. And, you know, maximize what you have to, to maximize the result. So this car, the FT60, um, have you driven this car before? Yeah, so I Apart raced this car. last year, but it's a car you used in America? Yeah, I've driven a similar car to it in America. It's not exactly the same. This is a Tatis one. Um, the FR America's car is a Ligier. Um, so they're, they're a little bit different. Um, I think it's the same formula, you know, same you know specs that they have to kind of stick within. Um, but yeah, the driving style is a little bit different. And this car is, is definitely much different than the next car we race in the States. You know, that car, 
is a super fast car. It's basically an Indy car um, when it comes to pretty much everything, you know, except for a couple of minor differences. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a step back in, in horsepower and downforce and all of that coming back to this car, um, which I think, you know, puts a little bit more emphasis on being very precise with your driving. You know, you can't overdrive at all. Um, you don't have, you know, 500 horsepower to save you if you make a mistake. So I think that definitely makes it difficult for me to come down here and race. It makes it difficult to, you know, maximize the results for races like the New Zealand Grand Prix. But I think, you know, it never hurts to go back to those basics a little bit um, and then take take that knowledge back into the Indy next car, uh, you know, for this season. And you mentioned to me that um, it's your father's team that you're driving with um, and it's a two-car team. Yeah, so actually last year we had three cars for, for the end of the season, um, but this year so far we only have two. Um, we're looking at at least having one more and maybe even two more uh, for this season, maybe at, at certain rounds here and there. But yeah, our team has, has really grown a lot in the past few years. Um, you know, it was a one-car team for a while there, but yeah, you know, this, this past year we were able to race in the Indy 500 as well. Uh, not me personally driving, but... Um, Able Motorsports did have a car in the race, so that was a super cool thing to experience, um, and I think it just you know goes to show the amount of growth that's going on with with Able Motorsports. And your father's history motorsport? Sorry. Your father's history motorsport? Yeah. So he he grew up racing motocross at a super high level, you know, doing dirt bikes um, and all of that. He, he won a few amateur national championships. Had a chance, a couple chances to go pro. He ended up not, you know, fully going professional um, and, and trying to make a job out of it. But yeah, so he's definitely got that in his blood. Um, I think it's, you know, in my blood as well. And you know, we're we're very competitive with with one another. And you know, he's definitely a racer, so I think he understands things a little bit better at the track. So you've grown up with your entire life, yeah, of being around a racer, right? And so that all rubs off and. Yeah, I think it's honestly rubbed off into our whole family. You know, I have two older siblings. I'm the only one who got into racing, but, you know, my mom included, we're all extremely competitive. Um, so I think that's one thing that has driven me just to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and, and getting better and better is that's the the good and bad part about racing is, is you don't really win all the time. You know, it's not like other sports where there's one winner and one loser. You know, it's you have one winner and, you know, 19 losers. So it's... You don't win all that much, so it, it kind of, it's a, it's a little bit like a drug. You know, you're always chasing that, chasing that feeling um, of, of a good result, of a podium, of a, a race win. So, yeah, I think that's one thing that has, has fueled me to be better is, is that competitiveness in my family. And you've obviously tasted the golden chalice and say, I like this. Right, exactly. It's, it's tough. I haven't, unfortunately, won in, in the past couple of seasons here, so... It's a little bit of a monkey on my back now, you know, I've gotten a lot of second places, a lot of third places, you know, pole positions, um, but haven't really cracked a race win here in a while, so it'd be super nice to do that this weekend, it'd be, you know, pretty perfect to do it at the GP. Indeed it would. Well, thank you very much, Jacob Abel, we look forward to seeing your results this weekend and following you through the year. Thank you, I appreciate it. Welcome back to Inside Motorsport, Tony Whitlock. I'm here with Gary Orton of Kiwi Motorsport, who just was telling me very briefly about his involvement in this category. And uh, you're the last man standing, so to speak. Well, yeah, well, could be that way. Standing. First man standing and still standing. Yes. Yeah. 19 years we've been doing this for, so we were at the very first race and the only ones 
who are here right now that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you could do a bit, a bit of shave, you know, that sort of thing. But apart from that, you and your partner, Lynn... Tina. Tina, I'm sorry, Tina Larson, um, have been together for a number of years. Yeah. And she, of course, being an American... Well, actually, she was born in New Zealand oh. and moved to Canada when she was five. So right. I guess we call her a Kaniwi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So give us a rundown on the drivers you've got this year. So we have Jet Bowling, who competed in half of the F4 Championship with us in America last year. Yep. Uh, there's Titus Sherlock, who finished runner-up in the F4 Championship with us yep. last year. Jake Benilla did a couple of races with us last year in FR. And then Patrick Woodstock from Canada, who won the FR, F4 Championship in the States. So, very green, um, but they've all, they're all doing FR with us this year in the States, and they've all improved a lot. So, it's, it's doing what we're wanting it to do, bring them out here, boot camp, five weeks in a row, heaps of experience, and... It's you know it's showing its signs of being well worthwhile. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you say FR, of course, you're talking Formula Regional, and it's uh, what's it called? Formula Regional. Um, it was FR America. America. Yep. Okay. Uh, so it's a, a Ligier chassis, but the same specifications, same width, length, height, <laughs> weight, yep. same engine power, different engine. Um, what do you use there? What engine? We use a Honda. Yep. Honda engine. Uh, they sponsor the series. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good experience for these kids to, they've come out of F4 in America, they've come here, got all this racing and running done. Yeah. Um, I mean, they'll hit the ground running, that's yes. for sure. Yeah, 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 okay. How many kids roughly in those, will front up in those categories? Um, I think that we're probably going to see 17 or 18 in okay. FR Americas this year. So you're fronting up with about four or five of them? Then. Uh, I think we're going to have eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> Half the field, right, okay. Yeah. You'll be a conspiracy theory yeah, man, right? Yeah. Now you go around on here and you yeah. go around on the inside. Yeah, right, okay. But the, the cool thing last year was we brought Ryan Sheehan out here and Ryan and Bryson Morris drove for us in F4 and they were both fighting for wins. Ryan comes out and did this series. Bryson didn't. They both drove to NOLA, our first race in FR, and Ryan just absolutely whipped them. So it just it actually visually proved and showed everybody what the value of doing the series was you know yeah. like he was, a, he was a second up the road you know per lap well I, I must say I, I was uh, one of your competitors uh, uh, Mr Pilcher I was very relieved to hear him when he told me about how Roman not Roman but Roman yeah. Yeah. Um, had done the European of course in the same car same time yeah. and so he was whipping asses all over the place to start but now he said they're closing up yeah I mean that's right I mean Romain has done a couple of seasons in these cars. He knows them quite well. Yeah. Um, you know, our guys are all quite green, but they're slowly catching up, which is what we wanted to see. Yeah. Improvement. Yes, indeed. So how many cars do you normally run in Formula 4 in the US? Uh, last year we were running between 6 and 7. Yeah, okay. So we all up with FR and the F4 were around about 12 to 14 cars, just depending on the race. Okay. Yep. And where are you based? Uh, we have two shops, so our main base is just an hour south of DFW Airport in Texas, and then we have another shop just north of Sacramento in California. Okay. Yeah, because we do a West Coast series as well. Right, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got a big crew. Yeah, big crew. <laughs> <laughs> in the States, I think it's 
30 staff. Right. Okay. Catering for 80 people. How many of these crew here would be from your US crew? Um, we've got two or three that do stuff for us in America. Yes. Yeah. But we've got so much testing on right now as we speak that you know my American crew are working over and there you get now. daily emails on yeah. progress. <laughs> Where's that testing going on? Um, we're doing some in, in Texas. So the weather has actually been really good, which is unusual because normally it's quite cold. So, of course, I'm getting phone calls at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, as fine. you would, yeah. yeah as yeah, you would, yep. Yeah, yeah okay. But, um, now, I haven't had a conversation with Nico uh, Calliol yet, but um, you've got a new chassis coming in a year or two. Yeah, I think they're definitely looking at what they, you know, looking at options. Um, you know, the FIA are going to a new FR car, like I said, in a couple of years. Right. Um, so I guess that Toyota will follow suit. I mean, the, fun, the strange thing is what we've got here is absolutely perfect. Yep. But, you know, the rest of the world, they always want the latest and greatest and the newest. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's actually required or not is a different thing. But... Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, you'd be hoping for, uh, hoping for a win, of course. But, uh, a podium would be nice. Yeah, that'd be really good. I mean, everybody's wanting to win. Um, but the, the, the big thing for us is really just making sure that, or hoping that all of our guys get better yeah. and improve. And so far they're doing a good job with that. Alright, well thanks Gary Orton for giving us your story and no uh, look forward to uh, the time through the weekend. Yeah, cheers, thanks. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.